I didn't have a lot of money. I was looking to convert my time into money, yep. develop expertise, be the boots on the ground, do the legwork to make deals happen. I was not the guy who's trying to turn money into more money. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold listeners. I hope you're having a great week this week. We've got another great guest today, another uh, local guest. Uh, love interviewing these uh, rock stars from the Southwest Ohio area. Slocum Reed is joining us today. He's become a good friend of mine. Uh, he owns properties and manages properties down in Cincinnati, doing a great job, been doing it for a long time. If that name sounds familiar, you've probably heard him. He hosts, he's one of the hosts of the best ever real estate podcast, uh, Joe Fairless's podcast. And uh, does a great job there. I've had the pleasure of being interviewed by him. Uh, one time was out at the, the best ever conference um, out in Salt Lake City. So that was really fun. But anyway, a little bit about Slocum, then we'll bring him in. Slocum has been a real estate investor for the past 10 years. He became a residential real estate agent back in 2015 in order to get into real estate full time from a career in youth ministry. Uh, he and his family, uh, his wife and two young daughters, now have a rental portfolio, two real estate operating businesses and a real estate sales income to support their lifestyle in Cincinnati. And he does so much more. We'll get into all that. First of all, Slocum, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it, Lee. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Slocum, take us all the way back real quick. Maybe back to, I think I said 2015, reading your bio. You were, you were a youth pastor. Um, what got you interested in real estate? Why did you end up kind of making that, that big jump? Yeah, so I'll try to cover a lot of ground quickly here. If we can go back to 2013, mm -hmm. I was a quote unquote full-time youth minister. Uh, I was getting paid for 25 hours a week, but when uh, anyone uh, listening who's been in ministry knows what that 25 hours a week really means, there are 168 hour weeks in youth <laughs> ministry. You go on a mission trip or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, my then girlfriend and then fiance, soon to be wife, uh, had a real job that was paying the 40 hours a week that she was working. And I've been doing a few things to try to fill in that like 15 hour a week gap just to be contributing financially equally uh, to our family as my mm -hmm. wife. And I tried a few mm -hmm. other side hustles. I finally read a book right over your shoulder, mm -hmm. the rich dad, poor dad, uh, and lit a fire under me. I, I just had to learn how to do these things. I read a bunch of other rich dad books. I read some of the Ken McElroy Mm -hmm. uh, real estate investing and property management books. And I learned before I knew it was called house hacking. I learned that you could, uh, purchase and owner occupy up to a four family on an FHA loan with three and a half percent down, get the seller to cover some of your closing costs. And I was off to the races. Nice. So, so that's how you got started. Was, yeah. So the idea yeah. at the time was that, well, what we now know, thanks to bigger pockets is called house hacking. That was going to be my part-time job to supplement my income. Nice. Uh, but it didn't take 15 hours a week. It was a way better return on my time than I could have imagined um, for, for us financially. And again, man, it's just, we're talking 10 years ago. So the the returns, the numbers are really unrelatable now in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I can dive into them if you want to, but you're not going to find 2013 deals in 2023. No, nope. nope. um, we need another crash first. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
uh, uh, you know, we're in a fortunate position when we can talk about needing a crash. Like, I hope <laughs> yeah, all yeah. Listeners are, are, are feeling the same way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I fell in love with real estate. It turns out I was good at dealing with people, dealing yeah. with tenants, uh, decided later that year, uh, 2014, by the end of 2014, I was licensed and the 20, uh, middle of 2015 for a few reasons, I left the church where I was working full time. I got a quarter time youth ministry gig for the next few years and dove into real estate full time as a way to uh, build the the idea at the time was build the expertise, the market knowledge, the network, generate income. A youth minister salary is not hard to replace, if you can mm-hmm. imagine. Um, build build income and get myself uh, in the game full time of real estate, so that I could get move on to doing more of my own investing faster nice. with more knowledge. Yep, yep, yeah. So you jumped in act, you know, and you were active Slocum and, and you fell in love with it and, and found out, you know, you had some skills uh, that God blessed you with it that kind of translated into that. And, and, and you were kind of all in. So you started building out this portfolio, maybe just real quick, kind of fast forward to that for us, Slocum, bring us up to speed, you know, where you're back. You started with a four family that you were living in one unit, renting out the other three. And you're like, my gosh, this is like, this doesn't take that much time and it's a great return. Like I should do a bunch more of this. So I know you have over these past uh, gosh, you know, seven, eight years now since 2015. Fast forward through that real quick for us and, and, and bring us up to speed to today. Yeah. So uh, before I was able to buy another deal, I had heard about the Burr strategy. David Green hadn't written a book about it yet, but Brandon mm-hmm. Turner had coined the term and talked about it on the Bigger Pockets podcast. So our second deal was a Burr deal. I had been from there, I'd been putting a focus on uh, Burr standing for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. I'd been putting an emphasis on the velocity of capital, as we call it now, mm-hmm. uh, because my capital was limited. So the ability mm-hmm. to, I was looking to build wealth and cash flow. Uh, you know, I, I had more of a long term perspective. I wasn't just looking to put as much money in the bank taxable as possible this year. So I focused on deals that would allow for a lot of forcible appreciation up mm-hmm. front with a cash out refinance in year two, ideally year year three, if necessary. I was getting into real estate to give myself the knowledge and the expertise. I ended up with partners who had the capital, but didn't have the expertise at the time that I was nice. developing. And that yep. allowed me in a joint venture style of partnership to accelerate that burr investing um, using other people's capital and my expertise and my ability to get us to a cash out refi in year two. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, my personal portfolio, depending on how you count, is about 84 units. Awesome. And so look, just what you were talking about with the burr and like the velocity of capital, you don't have a lot of capital. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're talking about is like, let's say someone can put together $50,000. I mean, that that's that's a lot. And, you know, for, you know, you and I still probably, but certainly, you know, when we were younger, uh, it's hard to come up with that. And so, it, but it may take that to take down a four unit. And so if you put 50,000 in and you buy a four unit, that's great. But now you're sitting there with like, well, I can't do this again because my 50 is in the four unit. But if you bought the four unit for 200 and you can increase value and then it's worth 300, you go get a new loan on it and that new loan gets you your 50,000 back. So now you can go do it again with that same $50,000. And now what you're doing is you are getting a bigger loan so you're, you know, a little bit more leveraged than, than you could be if you didn't do that, but it's allowing you to get cash back to go buy your second uh, four unit with the same 50,000. And so that's kind of the strategy you were using with your limited capital to allow you to build a nice size portfolio, right? 
Yeah. And a couple of things there, one of them, especially when we're talking about one to four families and we're talking about prior to 2022, you are getting into higher leverage, but also you're still talking about 30 year fixed rate debt. And so whatever you, there are no, there are no pending balloons in year three, five or seven on your note, you know? So, um, you know, if the numbers work now, uh, and rents don't go down, and you know something crazy like, well, we're in Ohio, so we're not having the the, the insurance pressures of the coasts. But right. if you don't have something like you know having your property taxes double or triple on you, which just happened to one of my properties, but it's a small one, so it doesn't matter that much. We anticipated it. You're going to be solid. The yep. other thing I will say here, Lee, is that people are coming from typically one of two uh, positions when they get into real estate investing. I didn't have a lot of money. I was looking to convert my time into money, develop expertise, be the boots on the ground, do the legwork to make deals happen. I was not the guy who's trying to turn money into more money. And so uh, while I'm closer to that position now, my partners were looking for someone like me who was was working on becoming an expert, uh, building out the systems, boots on the ground, you know, my hands touching everything, my eyeballs seeing everything so that they could just deploy capital for a return. That wasn't me. That's not really part of my story the way it is for so many. Brandon Turner, you mentioned Brandon Turner, Bigger Pockets. He used to be a Bigger Pockets now. He does kind of his own thing. But um, he he, he would talk about that. I think that he would say there's three um, things that you need, you know, to to, to make a good deal in real estate. You, You need hustle, expertise, and money. And you don't have to have all of them. It's good if you can have two of them. It sounds like, you know, Slocum, you started out with just one of them. But then you were doing your own deals and doing house hacking to gain the second one because you had the, the time and hustle. You didn't have the expertise yet, but you did some of your own deals to get some expertise. Now you've got two of them and you just got to solve for the third one, right? By bringing in a partner that has the money. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I started with the hustle. Yep. Through hustle, gained expertise. And then yep. through hustle and expertise, gained money. Yeah. Gained the money, but because of some track record and people being able to see what you were doing, that's good. Yep. So. 80, 84 units um, of your own slogan. That's awesome. And you're managing about 80 for others as well? Correct. Yeah. So I formalized a property management company in 2020 when I just got to the point where I needed to have employees helping me with things. I've always uh, self-managed or owner-operated. I started a property management company that grew into now doing some third-party management. I'm really picky when it comes to which clients I'll work with. More picky about yeah. the landlord than the property or the location. All I bet. That's a, yeah. yeah, but then, yeah. you know, um, through my own mistakes and false assumptions, I basically needed to create a construction management company to get, sure. uh, to get a couple of projects across the finish line, find all my own subs. And when I realized that at least some of the people I had uh, working for me were great people. I was I put myself in a position where I committed to them that I'd keep them busy full time, whether I had the work or not. And I've started doing some construction management, apartment turns, and things like that. Because uh, Slocum, yeah, I, I would love to get into that more because managing smaller properties, you know, most people say is is, is difficult. I mean, a lot of guys uh, and girls that that you hear on uh, Best Ever uh, podcast that you do and and Bigger Pockets and and mine, they say go bigger. You know, you need that economies of scale. You need a hundred units in one place and. I would agree uh, it, it is easier to manage. It's also way harder to get a good deal. And you and I have had conversations about that. There's there's big money chasing those deals. Um, and it's it's guys and girls that have cheap cost of capital and, and they pay a low cap rate for this big property. So a lot of times the better deals are in the smaller properties. It's just, you got to figure out how to manage them. So you're doing that. I would love to get into that more. So um, maybe start, Slocum, a little bit more about, you, you kind of got your portfolio to a point where 
you, it sounded like you were like, man, I can't do this solopreneur style anymore. I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to be a CEO. I need to bring some people in. How do you get that started? If someone's in a position right now where they're maybe managing 40 of their own units and they feel like they're barely able to hold that together and they want to go bigger, they know they can't do any more, like already 40 is really hard. How do you start maybe bringing some people in to help you out? With Mm -hmm. my portfolio being in the 80s and my management portfolio now being in the 160s, one of the things that I recognized when it comes to scale, Lee, is that I've got a lot going on. I get, um, I have a lot of opportunities in front of me and mm-hmm. I was not, the goal was never to get into property management. It was to get into real estate investing. Uh, property management is kind of like the defensive coordinator to my real estate mm. investing to use yeah, football I like that. technology. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like to know that I want to be the defensive coordinator. I want to know that I can call the plays and do everything that I can uh, as, as defensive coordinator. But I also realized doing out the numbers, looking at what I ought to be charging myself for property management and what I was charging my partnerships. I realized I was at 80. I was putting a pause on acquisitions, um, but I really needed a 120 unit portfolio under management to uh, be break even and okay. have the size of staff and services that I wanted That's to be able to remove myself from the day to day. So in order to not have to do any of the showings myself, the move-ins, um, the vast majority of communicating with the tenants, the bookkeeping and all of that, I figured out that with my model and 120 units under management, I would be break even having all of the day-to-day of property management delegated. Now that said, all major decisions... Nice still go through me. I approve all applicants, review and sign all leases, but that's really all that's that. And, you know, management level, managing people is all that's required of me and property management at 120 because at 80, I couldn't do it. Back to what you were saying about someone who's got 40 units and they're feeling strained about what, uh, about trying to solopreneur their, their own portfolio. Yep. My recommendation is that you start by figuring out all of the things you are doing that could be done remotely. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One of them is everything that can be done remotely requires a lower level of trust. Because if if okay. you say you're going to bring on one person, it, it was a virtual assistant for me. I'm a big fan. We can. I'll go into that in a moment. But if you bring on a virtual assistant and you're the one who's, again, the hands, the eyes, the feet of of the management, then it's, it's, you're the one who you are expecting to see the problems, recognize things in the moment, have those in-person interactions with people doing the showings, where are the keys, things like that. You don't have to trust someone else to remember all of those things or notice things on site when they are there uh, to do one task, but something on the other side of the building could be problematic. The other reason to go with remote is because that's the most affordable uh, labor mm-hmm. that you can get access to. We were talking just before the interview about uh, how I have some VAs in the Philippines and a typhoon earlier this week knocked out half of my property management staff. So I got a couple of things uh, I'll have to get back to after this interview. No rush though, Lee. But you, you um, need to get you need to get a generate get buy a generator and get it over to them. I do, and I don't know if that's going to help. Or not. <laughs> no, uh, but. Everything that can be done remotely is also much easier to template and script. So one of the things that solopreneurs have the most struggle with that I still struggle with now is 
realizing how much of their knowledge and, and, and their systems are just in their head yeah. and, and all of the things that, that you and I know, and that we know how to do that we've never had to articulate to someone else to have them do it for us. You're going to have to, regardless, as you scale, you're going to have to figure out how to write that stuff down, but yep. also, um, all of the phone calls, all of the inquiries, all of the tenant concerns, maintenance requests, things like that. A lot of those things that come up on the fly, those were things I was looking to delegate because at the time I was still really a full-time real estate agent. And mm. the way the market has been the last several years, frankly, the moment there's an opportunity on market, you have to pounce. Oh, yeah. It's it's not like it was in the pre-internet days where a house hits the market and you know you've got a couple of weeks to get in there and look it over and go home and get your you know, think yeah. about it in the bathtub and make a decision. You got to pounce nowadays. And so I was still pouncing on stuff for my clients. I needed someone else taking all of those phone calls to free up my time. And then I got to the point with that first VA that I actually gave her access to my calendar through something similar to Calendly where she was just booking the showings for me after she had pre-qualified people. Wow. Yeah. So the recommendation again, figure out everything that can be done remotely uh, and then hire someone ideally virtually to do that for you because that's a really affordable route to go. Make sure you script and train to a, to a higher, finer level of detail um, because there will be some there will often be misunderstandings. There could be cultural differences and other things you're probably hiring from outside of the industry as well. But to give you an example of the things I was at 40 doors, the things that I was uh, having VAs do, all incoming inquiries on the listings with a pre-qualification. So talking through our qualifications with them over the phone before scheduling a showing to make sure that verbally, at least they were telling us they were qualified. Mm -hmm. Scheduling that showing on my calendar based on my availability Sending the application request and um, following up on the application, processing the application and delivering it completed with references checked to me, all the all of the information already gathered to be able to render a decision. And then I would, uh, I at the time I was filling out and signing the lease and, and signing it with the tenant, but then my VA was setting them up for move-in. Of course, physically, I was the one meeting there and handing them the keys. But then it was the VA who was having all of the frontline communication with the new guy and all of the other tenants. Maintenance requests, complain about a neighbor, the grass is too tall. All of those things were going to the VA. And the VA was packaging them for me to deliver them to me in a meeting that was put on my schedule at a defined time that we both knew that I'd be available so that I could address them yep. then. Yeah, that that was, and then having the communication about like terminating the lease and the move out and getting all of that scheduled, uh, I was handing off all of that so that I could go be busy with the other things that I had going on. That's so good. Yeah, so look, I'm just thinking through this, like you know, as a solopreneur uh, myself, and 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 trying to make some of these transitions, I totally agree with you that there's so much that's in my head because um, I'll, you know, I even have my my wife kind of plug in and, and try to do some stuff, and she just reminds me over and over again, like you are not giving me good direction. Like you think you are, but you're saying just a little bit and there's so oh, much yeah. more in your head, but you don't realize you're not telling it to me. Um, so I think that's so important. Another thing Lee that you and I have discussed uh, and, and when it comes to keeping properties, especially larger properties performing with regards to at least economic occupancy, uh, keeping properties yeah. full, uh, yep. staying on top of maintenance requests, I think the most important thing 
in my experience, has been momentum. What I mean is the moment something comes up, you're pouncing on it, whatever, maintenance request, vacancy. And, and one of the reasons we just, I had recognized in my business, uh, uh, I'm disappointed to say it took me more than a year to do something about it after I found the issue. But um, I had a uh, an Eastern time business hours virtual assistant responding to all t- uh, leasing inquiries. Mm. which meant that if someone found uh, my rental listing laying in bed on Friday night, they didn't get a response until Monday morning. Now I know for a lot of places that would be a great response time, but I realized that we were losing a lot of people who were expecting to see an apartment that weekend mm. and be applying for it by Monday, because that's just the way that our culture operates. Yeah. And so now what I mean by momentum is that I have an additional VA specific to the weekends who's been trained nice. Oh man, I tell you what, this is nice too, Lee. When you get to the point that someone you have trained is training other people oh in your organization gosh, and you don't have to do it yourself, yeah. it's amazing. But yeah. I have someone else on the weekend so that every single inquiry, anyone who just like clicks the button on Zillow that says I'm interested in more information is hearing from us within 24 hours. That's great. Because that's the level, well, that's the level of expectation that they have, you know? And there's that classic Arnold Schwarzenegger quote about, yeah, you can take a day off. Just remember that somebody else isn't. Mm. There's that, that person laying in bed scrolling Zillow is tapping that button on like 10 or 15 listings yep. Yep. to see who's going to call them back. And I just yep. I just know that we need to have the momentum. We need to be the one who's calling them back. Yep. We need to be pouncing on maintenance requests as soon as they arrive. And man, you know, I don't have time to take all of those phone calls. No, I, right. I do give my cell phone number to my tenants, but man, I ignore most of their calls because it's almost always something that someone else in my organization should be should be handling. And so when I say momentum, I have two full-time people right now who basically their job is to just be on the phone with the people who call us Mm -hmm. uh, and make sure that constantly that you, that flywheel of communication with prospects and tenants is always spinning and that we never stop having all of the communication involved. Um, It's so true. We, we have totally seen that where, you know, we've used some third-party management and they, they, they've done a good job, but it's really difficult and somebody has to be on top of the leasing at all times. And we just noticed that like we can tell there's just not as much attention being paid to the leads coming in. We're suddenly not renting units. It takes a lot of work. You know, they start the momentum. They've got, they've got a little bit of momentum by clicking your button. If you let that momentum go away, it's, it's gone. Like you've got to keep that moment. You got it. Yep. Okay. We, we hear you. Yep. Come look at this. When do you want to come look at it? Oh, okay. I'll come look at it here. Okay. Yep. Come on and come look at it. Look at it. Okay. Here's the application. All right. Great. Here's the lease. Like, you know, just keep the, keep the momentum going. Uh, man, so true. One really of, good concept. And another, another thing here, cause we realized just recently that we were losing quality applicants, people who had applied and then decided yeah. not to go with us. We always actually check references. We call them. We need to get on the phone or at least get them to respond to a text script. So just to this point of momentum, one of the things that we changed recently is that, you know, it only takes Appfolio or that's what I use, but Buildium, Yardy, whatever platform you have. If if you're running the applications through that kind of platform, it only takes maybe a couple of hours to have all of those reports processed. Okay. Like your background that, check, criminal check. That yeah. Kind of outside of checking references, we're ready to render a decision a couple hours after they reply. Um what we used to do was wait until we had heard from the references before we told a tenant that they were approved. But I mean, if this is somebody's boss or somebody's, you know, disorganized friend who leaves texts, who leaves 40 texts unread at a time, like 
it, sometimes it takes a week just to get all the references back. So now the moment we have the reports in, we go ahead and approve them and tell them that the approval is pending hearing from their references. Got it. So that we can move on to the move-in day and release that. and we can stay on top of it and let them know, like, as soon as we hear from your people, we're going to be ready to move forward. Please get in front of your people, but let's go ahead and lock you in now. Get that lease signed, get all the dates, make sure we're ready for move-in, you're ready for move-in. Just not allowing the process to slow down while we wait for references, while we still believe that getting those references is important. That's good. Yeah. No, I I can see why you do that. Cause like you said, I mean, somebody else moves faster. They're going to get them if they want to, you know, know where they're moving to. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, you're banking on slogan, like your application looks really good. Um, you know, it looks like you have a good job. Looks like, you know, if you got some good rental history, you're giving us all this stuff. Like there's a lot you can tell there to have a pretty good idea that the references are going to come back pretty good. So um, I can see why you're making that move. Well, this is, this is really helpful. So um, I really appreciate this. I, I always like to ask my guests, um, you know, what's a key ingredient to being a successful real estate investor. Um, let's, let's talk about that specifically to um, managing a portfolio like you're doing. What, what's a key ingredient to having success? You know, I think you asked this in the prep for this interview mm -hmm. and I had a one word answer. The answer was trust. Let's go with that. Sure. So what I mean by trust, and I referenced that earlier when talking about hiring a VA where someone who's going to be completely remote, that's a, that's a good first hire in part because it doesn't require as much trust. I imagine a lot of your listeners hire their own contractors. So I'll talk to that as well as to property management in, in property management, whether it's a virtual assistant or a local W-2 employee or something like that, um, there's there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of activity involved in property management, and I don't want to I don't want to lose momentum. So the moment I hire someone, they have one responsibility. There is one thing coming out of a lot of day one is culture of the organization, get to meet us, you know, set up all your online accounts and all that. But by the end of day one, you have to be able to do one thing on day two. My local people know how to do a showing on their own because they shadowed me on day one. We start with just showings or we start with just uh, incoming tenant, uh, incoming leasing inquiries, and we watch how they handle that before we give them additional responsibilities. Similar to that with contractors. Now, again, I'm more of a GC looking for subs, uh, building out my own rehab crews people who are going to be working for me long-term on an hourly basis, as well as people who bid projects. I have a fairly firm system now where a new sub who wants to come work for us, I'll put them alongside someone else for a day, mm -hmm. one eight to 10 hour day. And then I'm getting out there or this person I already trust is going to verify the work that they're done. Uh, was there enough quality? Was there enough quantity? Did they move fast enough mm -hmm. in that one day to justify coming back tomorrow. Mm. Uh, and if it is, we'll go from one day to one week. We'll see how it is after a That's week. Great. And then after that week, we can figure out what we're going to do moving forward. Of course, I'm getting a W9 by the end of the week because each of these people is getting paid 600 bucks. At least more than 600 bucks just necessitates the W9. But also I, I tell them up front, if you show up, I'm going to pay you. If you suck, I'm going to tell you not to come back. <laughs> so, so they know that one day that they show up and paint or hang cabinets alongside someone else, they're going to get paid. Uh, but also uh, I've had people day one and I've had people after week one that I've told, I'm sorry, not going to have any more work for you. The quality or the quantity wasn't there or day one, you showed up drunk. There is no day two. <laughs> yeah. It allows you to move quickly, Slocum, but like also like fire quickly, you know, move on quickly. So 
Yeah, I really like that. Like, and it just get back to trust. Like, I'll trust you for one day because what can you mess up in one day? But I'm not going to trust you for a whole week or 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 a contract. You know, long term contract. Like, trust you for one day, and then I'll trust you for another, and then maybe a week at a time, and then a month at a time, and then you know, eventually you have a long term relationship with somebody. I was like that too, Slocum. You know, you've had a lot of success within real estate, but I know you're a Christ follower like I am. Um, your family is really important to you. Uh, I know those things are more important to you than your uh, success in real estate, but yet I know you're very busy. So um, how do you, what's a key ingredient or maybe some strategies you and your wife use, um, you know, things God has led you to put into your life, um, some rhythms or whatever. How are you making sure you're having success outside of real estate while pursuing, you know, this successful real estate career that you've got? You know, there, there are a couple of answers I want to give. That's a great question. Thank you, Lee. The first on a smaller scale is, that uh, you know i was just i was just with a friend this morning talking about this i try to keep as close to regular business hours as possible mm -hmm. nine to five sometimes i cheat and start early but i try really hard not to cheat and work late mm -hmm. and i and, and what i've come to realize now the way that i have my businesses structured obviously my businesses would be growing faster if i were working 60 70 80 hours taking up weekends the way that I used yep. to. Yep. But right now I've I've come to realize that if there are if there are consecutive days that I can't get home or that I can't be leaving my office by five o'clock because I have five extra fires I need to put out, something is not going right and needs to be changed. And that's quite often, that's quite often someone who has been given a little bit too much trust mm -hmm. and I have to go back in and clean up after them, which is why, one of the reasons I think of trust so heavily yep. is that yep. I need to know that I can quote unquote clock out at five o'clock uh, and go home and be with family and not have to work the weekend. So exactly. part of it is overstaffing my property management company. And I call it overstaffing because I mean, it operates in the black, but it's not the you profit generated. Of oh yeah. The yeah. profit generated yeah. is nowhere near worth the amount of time and effort involved. However, I know that everything is being taken care of all the time and that I, I pull the strings, push the buttons and have control if there's an issue. So part of it, yeah, is overstaffing some of my, I like that. some of my work, some of my initiatives to make sure that while I'm less profitable, I, I have more of my time, making sure I'm working with people that I can trust and recognizing that if, if I'm in a position where I'm under too much stress uh, or I'm not able to get things done within business hours, it's likely because of a trust issue with someone I'm working with or something that I need to fix to get back to working those, uh, yeah. keeping, my, keeping my work life to work hours. The other thing I want to say here, I had two very, very solid examples of this in my parents' Growing mm. up, my my mother was a parish priest, and uh, is a wow. parish priest. My my dad was a professor of philosophy, specifically ethics, and they both chose those careers because of the impact that it would have on the people that they were serving, the 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 church communities for and the the church communities and the communities and cities at large for my mom, the priest, and the students and the intellectual community for my dad. I want to model for my daughters the same thing that my parents modeled for me, that my work, eventually their work, is part of a calling to have the impact on the world that, 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 I, that I'm called to have, that they will yeah. be called to have. 
I want them to see me work hard. I want them to see that what I am doing that makes money for our family, pays our bills and lets us go on vacation is also adding value to others and having yeah. and having real impact. Yeah, that's great. Slocum, I love that, man. Um, I was like to ask my guests um, as we wrap up here, uh, how might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? Yeah, I've been listening to your podcast. I knew this question was coming. Yeah. I am... Uh, I'm an Episcopalian and our, and our prayer tends to be old school. So when, I, when people ask me to pray for them, I start with the Lord's prayer mm-hmm. and that's what I would ask. Whatever version of the Lord's prayer, our father, whatever it is that your listeners listen to, I'd ask you to start there. I always hone in on uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And my mm-hmm. general request is that what, what I'm doing be what brings about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, within that, I'd like to ask, uh, for help recognizing the people that God is putting in my path uh, to to build relationship and especially business relationship with oh, moving good. forward. Yeah, smack me in the mouth and help me realize like, no, you're supposed to be with this person for a while. You're supposed to be doing mm. big things together. Yeah, well, yeah, seems like you're off to a good start, and the Lord's already leading you in that. And Slocum, so be happy to pray for for more of that that you would continue to hear that that call and 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 move when. Uh, he tells you to move, um, you know, and, and, and develop relationships like you have been. So really good stuff. Be happy to to pray alongside you uh, w- w- with that Slocum in the coming weeks. Um, I mean, this has been great. So uh, like we talked about it, it's often there's some really good opportunities. I, I think small multifamily is like the best way to get started in real estate. One of the best ways to build a great portfolio that produces cash flow and builds long term generational wealth. It's hard to manage those properties. Uh, you're doing it at a really high level uh, and, and you gave us some of your best tips and tricks. So really appreciate that, Slocum. This has been really helpful. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. I appreciate it, Lee. Yeah, take care, buddy. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.